Welcome to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This episode is a true reflection of my, Steph Corker's, stalking abilities. I stalked this gorgeous photographer online. It perhaps started on Instagram. I mean, how many of us have a story like that? It started on Instagram. And then I noticed Jillian sharing stories very vulnerably and in ways that no one else was really sharing on LinkedIn. Breaking the code that LinkedIn had to be some professional site, Jillian was showing up as a human on LinkedIn. And I really dig humans on LinkedIn. Her stories captured my heart, they stopped my heart, I was dead in my tracks, and I thought if this woman can share these stories and this perspective of her life from homelessness and a river in a little community not far from where I live, there is so much more to learn. And what I learned in this conversation with Jillian was truly the possibility that exists if we're willing to really be unattached and and leave it all behind what is on the other side and without totally spoiling the episode what is on the other side is that Jillian is now in a far away destination in a place that I don't know and she didn't want to share which is beautiful living her very best life and I think among many things that I really took away from this podcast when I asked her for a headshot she said I don't do headshots and yet you will learn that headshots actually hold a special place for what she was responsible for helping other people see in themselves and yet the most beautiful images captured of Jillian are the furthest thing from her own headshot so to an adventurer to a woman who is willing to leave it all behind and is out in the woods doing incredible work especially with people who have suffered from PTSD in the medical space. So I appreciate the work she's doing in the world. It was an honor to connect. And here's a conversation I think you'll really enjoy. All right. (laughs) Joining me today is an internet friend. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited and honored. Oh gosh. Well, you are definitely someone who I completely stalked online and who I was in (laughs) awe of your work. And One day you posted a small snippet of your story and I was super taken aback and thought this woman is sharing their heart and soul with the world. This woman is sharing the truth and there is so much more to this. So I'd love to start there and I feel like there's so much that we can cover and I just want to acknowledge that if there's anything you don't want to share, you just let us know because this is going to be, I mean, truly heart and soul. Uh, <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'm totally open to any question. Feel free. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, let's start with I thought that you were based in Squamish, which is just south of where I'm based in the mountains. And you said, no, no, I'm in a secret location. But can you give <laughs> context? No, no disclosure, but context of where you are and what is what are the surroundings right now? It doesn't sound like you're really close to many humans. Okay, well, first off to start, so there is that connection. I do have a place in Squamish as well, and I have called Squamish home since 2010. But I am currently, since becoming part of Camp My Way, I have been staying here, and then in particular, with the pandemic, it just makes it a little bit easier and safer for us and our campers. And Camp My Way, 
We try to keep the location pretty down low. The closest place would be Lillooet, which is 70 kilometers on a pretty good high alpine mountain road. Away. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't know what direction, but we assume it's not south. So it's somewhere north-ish of Lillooet, about 70 kilometers. Yeah, if people really dived into our social media, I'm sure they could track down where we were located, but especially again, because of COVID and everything, the two roads entering our area are actually barricaded. So there isn't access to our area. So we really try not to talk too much about it just for the safety of our little area community. Sure. So you are the CEO of Camp My Way. Is that right? I am. Yeah. And lead guide (laughs) and photographer, everybody there's Terrence and I, and then we have our board, but Terrence and I have to wear all the hats. Got it. All the hats. Why don't we start there then? What is Camp My Way? Camp My Way is essentially a wilderness recovery program for first responders, veterans, and at-risk youth affected by PTSD. Mm. So what that kind of means is we bring those affected and who have asked us, reached out for support into the wilderness. We go camping, we teach them breathing exercises, a daily routine that is the exact routine that Terrence and I both have practiced for years after both of us went through very similar paths of ending up homeless, being diagnosed with PTSD and feeling very alone and having to figure out what worked for us on our own. So we just share our tools with all of our campers out in a safe, natural environment. Oh gosh, that is nothing short of <laughs> Can we start with the story that had you homeless? Sure. So maybe I'll start kind of from back in 2010, just to get the backstory of it. I moved to British Columbia from Manitoba in 2010 and started a job as a photographer for a dog sledding company fell in love with the sport as well as one of the mushers. And we started a relationship that went for five and a half years. We started our dream business, had a dream home, log house in the backcountry, basically everything that I had goals of achieving that ultimately the relationship had been abusive from essentially the start. And after five and a half years, I left, but in order to leave, I had to leave everything behind. I had been hiding $300 in my camera bag for quite a while. And before I left, I went and picked up some dog bones, a whole bunch of food for the dogs, went down, gave them a pet, did my regular morning routine with them, which was go down. And when I would feed them, I'd thank each of them. And I'd thank them that I was there and not somebody else, because I knew somehow I had the strength to get through it and maybe another wouldn't. And I don't know where that came from, but it really got me through that time doing that. So when I left, I picked up a tent from a woman by the side of the road for $60 and ended up living in a tent for seven months in the woods and my Jeep and was considered homeless, but by far the best home I could have had at that time to teach me the tools that I needed to heal. Tried going to a counselor after contemplating suicide. And I'm pretty sure most could say who contemplate those thoughts say that they would never consider themselves suicidal. And that's where the confusion and fear really stems from and motivated me to go to a counselor 
All I was told was, sounds like you have PTSD. You can come back next week, which was even more confusing and terrifying, being that most of us only know PTSD as something related to the military and going to war and not to be given any sort of explanation or answers. I got back to my tent and just grabbed my dog and started hiking. I hiked till dark and I let her off her leash and I just followed her all over and was living completely in that moment. Like, where are we going next? What's over here? What's wrong? I wonder what Roxy's following. And by the time I got back to the tent, I was actually tired and I slept for the first time I'd slept in years. Mm. And the next day I did the same thing, just hiked all day. And I realized the fresh air and that fitness and that thought of, I wasn't thinking about anything but that moment mm. with my dog. I wasn't thinking about where am I going to be in seven months? Am I still going to be in this tent or what have I been through? It was just that moment, being alive, being with my dog, being somewhere that I felt safe in nature and moving that energy through fitness too. Mm. And just kind of connected the dots to when I was a kid. And that was what got me through a lot of times being an athlete and just continuing to push myself, whether I was hurt or not, still going out there and kicking a soccer ball with my left foot, my right foot's in a cast. And ultimately all of that is how I ended up connecting with Terrence because we were kind of sharing the same tools with others. Gosh, my heart. I <laughs> you. You're incredible. And not only is it incredible to be a witness to this story and to hear how the journey you've been on, but now to see you dedicate your life back to people that are there that, you know, are, have been diagnosed with PTSD. And it's not something that you fix. It's something you learn to deal with. It's something that you end up coping with. And it's a really beautiful thing that people have access to you. You're there to meet them as they are. I mean, it sounds like you're there to meet yourself as you are and not try to fix anything. Gosh, nature and puppies and wilderness. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It feels so, I don't want to say easy for you to share this. Your storytelling of it is so true, but gosh, we forget the guts it takes to make such changes in life, be in the moment. (laughs) I think it's easy to talk about for me now Mm. because a year after I shared for the first time, I wrote an article. It was meant to be a sponsorship letter when I did a trip across Canada to reconnect to everything that I had given up, all of my passions. I was starting to feel healed, but I hadn't started to refocus back on the things that I loved, like paddling, photography, nature so much, like connecting to the wildlife, and then just reconnecting to myself and my family as well. Mm -hmm. And after I sent that letter out, the Canadian Women's Foundation picked it up and they wanted to publish it as a, an article. And I had yet to tell my parents what I had been through and there was details in this about what I had overcome. So that kind of pushed me to share with them for one. But when I returned back to the mountains after my trip across Canada, living in my Jeep for 77 days on that trip, I was booked for a photo shoot with a woman and she wanted to get some headshots done. Lovely, lovely woman, quite a bit older than me. And we did our shoot, conversed lots. She went to her vehicle to, to write me a check and she turns, she's like, I have to tell you something. I read your article in the Canadian Women's Foundation. 
And I was in an abusive relationship at that time. I was out in Ontario and I had been in it for a very long time. I read your article and I saw this young woman who had this strength and this courage to leave her world. And here I am with all this experience in life, quite a bit older, and I can't find that courage. And you inspired me to pack up my things, to leave that, move to Squamish, book you for a photo shoot and tell you that. <laughs> and I'm like, just bawling. And from that, that moment on, I knew that sharing my story was the best thing I could possibly do for not just me, but for everybody. And even if that one person is the only person I ever hear from about the fact that my story somehow impacted them, that's enough. Cause I know that I've already helped one person yeah. change their life by simply writing what I've experienced, which is very easy to do. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. So you're up at Camp My Way. You are now in conversations and experiences with people. This is wild. Your work has been about being so present and so in the moment every day. Can I ask what it's like being up somewhere so far removed and so isolated? How does that feel being so present? Uh, for me, it's it's how I was raised too. It's always been my happy place being somewhere where it's just me, the closest people in my life and nature. That's the best place for me mentally, physically. I've known that. Yeah. And my family's known that since I was just little. I was fortunate enough to grow up on a small island in Northwestern Ontario for half the year each year. My whole life since I was born was the most consistent place. And on the island, I had my great grandparents help raise me. My grandparents, cousins were there my parents and my brother and there's a marsh I was there in the marsh catching turtles catching frogs all by myself all the time mm -hmm. and as loud and extrovert at the time I was growing up as a kid and being involved in sports I could go off in nature for the entire day by myself and be more content than anywhere else mm. just talking to whatever animal I ran into or observing trees leaves mushrooms trying to learn about them trying to go up to bears and being locked in the house like five years old by my parents because I was just fascinated by all of the creatures and thought they all wanted to be my friend <laughs> that's amazing that's yeah, amazing. So, <laughs> yeah. so for me being up here is really the best place for me <laughs> Got it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're not lonely at all. You're with all of your friends and the critters and the creatures and the mushrooms for sure. Yeah. I definitely feel more lonely in a city. I think we all do because there's so much activity and so many people around. And if you don't have people to talk to, then you look around and it's always so embedded in you and you're always reminded that you are just alone when you're passing people and they're bumping into you and you don't feel seen mm. I think you feel more for me I feel way more alone when I'm in the city with all of those other people mm. than even in a small town like Squamish where you walk down the street and everybody says hi you know half of them personally too yeah <laughs> or you're somewhere up here where the birds will land on you mm -hmm. I mean, I have goosebumps because you're so right that we can mistaken being busy or being surrounded by people to feeling community or connection. And the reality is that true community and true connection doesn't come from strangers and doesn't come from 
seeing someone else. And especially right now, I mean, part of why I love Zoom is that I don't have to have a mask on. I just want to see your whole face. <laughs> and, you know, where you are, I'm sure you're not living with a mask on all the time. There's no one that you need to be protecting from. <laughs> and that's a special thing right now. So yeah, lonely and hidden or not seen and mistaking that strangers equal community. It's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. Funny enough, it was because of really a stranger mm. who's now one of my best friends in the entire world that I found that strength to actually leave that relationship. It was after five and a half years of really not feeling seen, mm. even though I had a dog sled company, I was dealing with people all the time. They were getting to know me as that person, as mm. that person in my work, not me personally. Mm -hmm. And the friends that I had were all of my ex's friends. And when I had tried to ask for help, it was, I was a liar. Like I wasn't seen. I was, I was even told to shut up all the time. like regularly when I, I had work back in Squamish for photography while I was still in that relationship, I sat down at the watershed grill as locals in this area will know I'm sure. And a puck slid across the bar towards me as I sat down like, yeah, if the name on that puck, if he scores a goal, you'll win a free beer. But he's already scored two this game, so you probably won't get one. And I looked over, and it's this gentleman and his nephew sitting there. They introduce themselves, and we begin chatting. And they basically take me under their wing for the whole week that I was there, inviting me to stay on their couch. He's got a great reputation for being this kind of person, too, in town. He's really well known, so that's why I'm not really saying his name. It was because he saw me for the first time. It was just me. I, it was not related in any way to this other person who everyone admired and thought was so amazing. And when I left, I called that person as I'm about to pull into my place. And basically, without saying words, he understood what was going on. And he did everything that he possibly could to help me. He was the first person I saw after I left and was in that tent, gave me this big, huge hug and told me he was proud of me. Hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was because of that stranger that he took the time. It's one of those things that I tell everyone, just take the time to, if you see somebody who obviously looks sad hmm. or not, but take the time. Are you okay? And genuinely mean it. Hmm. We were all in such a rush to get everywhere that when we say, hey, how's it going? And we keep walking by. Well, it hurts more than if you just ignore us because <laughs> it's not genuine. Mm -hmm. Genuinely ask a person, or, how are you? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. And sit down with them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you could save a life. You could change a life for sure. Yeah. You can change a life or save a life if you can take a moment. I'm reminded that it feels like we're in such a hurry to die. We're in such a rush to get through life for what? And I'm missing the point of rushing so much if we can't take a minute. And I've said this on a few podcasts, but one of my favorite meditation teachers, Hero, constantly says, slow down, you'll get there faster. And, you know, as an athlete, you can relate that there's so much of life that is about time. You know, I want to run faster. I want to, okay, but if I run and it's not fast, does that not make it a great run? Of course not. And what does it mean to take more time? And I think on the flip side, you know, I commend you, my heart hurts to spend five and a half years is time that you spent in a place that you didn't feel seen. And yet, what is it like to spend five minutes in a town that you don't feel seen? And 
maybe it's not about time and it's about the courage to, to your point, make the change to live a life that, you know, you can be 70 kilometers away from the smallest town. And for people to understand when Jill speaks about Lillooet, Lillooet is no big town. Lillooet is very small. Now, do you have to travel 70 kilometers for groceries, for example? Like, is this the closest? Yeah. We go and restock for three weeks, usually, of food when we go. And how long does it take you to travel from where you are to Lillooet? Because it's not, I mean, like 70 kilometers on a highway going 100 kilometers (laughs) an hour is one thing, but this isn't 70 kilometers on a highway going 100 kilometers an hour. Yeah, it's like, it's a couple hours to get there. It's a whole day to go get groceries. So you make it worth your while. You go and get your groceries. You go to the bank, you get your car insurance, you go get your tires checked or whatever it is, you go and do it all. And you always get some A&W and they just got a Tim Hortons, which is really nice. So you stock up on donuts. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember when Lillooet got an A&W and I was so excited, but now they have a Tim Hortons. This is next level. When did this happen? Oh, like last month. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, just opened up. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's yeah. fun. I have a couple of other questions and you're amazing. This is so <laughs> Thank you. And we could go on. So I will make sure that there are links to what people, where people can find you and where people can uncover more of this. Or if people need access to Camp My Way, where they can find that as well. And so much has been about the past and the present, of course. And the Corker Collective is really obsessed with goals. And it's not what's next as much as what direction are you headed and what are you most passionate about and where are you going? And my sense is that you have a sense of that. And I'm curious if there is a goal that's near and dear to your heart that you'd be open to sharing with us. Kept my way, of course, trying to get through this pandemic and work around new guidelines. That's the biggest thing for us to be able to still keep our doors open and have first responders come out as well as this year, we are going to be implementing a youth program thanks to the Surrey Firefighters Charitable Society and Surrey Honda who raffled off a car last year to raise funds for Camp My Way and, and a youth program. So we've been working really hard on creating that. So we're really, really hoping that the guidelines and the restrictions lift a little bit so that the youth can actually come out yeah. for it. So right now that's really big for this coming year. There's always things, but COVID really kind of, it doesn't stop our focus, but it makes it hard to know when our focus can happen, really. You have to keep moving forward. You can't put everything on the back burner just because there's this wall up because we don't know when that wall is going to come down. That wall, they could just open everything up next week. We have no idea, but we have to be ready for it. Right. So that's the main thing, continuing to share and do things like this for now and for always connect with other people and do what we can to share our stories and our tools. That's the main goal for me. Expeditions and things come along as they do. There's always plans for those, but Camp My Way is pretty important to me these days. Cool. That's so special. Well, we end every podcast the same way. And that is what is currently making your heart beat faster? Uh, making my heart beat faster getting to see within a few days the changes that the fresh air and the fitness and the tools that we share, seeing 
the change physically, let alone hearing the change mentally from each first responder that comes up here. Mm-hmm. That is overwhelming. You can't, I can't even explain the emotions that that evokes within you mm-hmm. when you can physically see somebody mm-hmm. healing in front of you mm-hmm. and know that it's because you're just sharing what you know works for you. Mm-hmm. And it may just be that they're connecting with one of the tools, but they're connecting with one of them. And even if it's just that it's because they're outdoors getting fresh air, mm-hmm. getting to share that with, with somebody and connect them to that is just beyond powerful and moving. It makes my eyes tear up. <laughs> well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate your time. And it's amazing. I mean, for all of the things that COVID has shut down, it's so special to me that you know, you're in literally in the bush in the woods and I <laughs> to connect with you on zoom. So thank you for being a yes. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for doing what you do every day. It's amazing. Wow. Thank you for giving me the opportunity and so many others to share our stories and connect with more people. Yeah. I can't wait for this to go live. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sounds great. Me too.